Hello, this is Susan. Hey, it's Melissa. Hey, Melissa. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Kayla Gordon, Jeep Roberts, and Susan Bolio have started a journey. They're shaking loose from depression, addiction, and dissociation, and walking with more laughter, lightness, and love. They struggle with the same difficult feelings many of us have, but this is the story of their work to heal. They're acknowledging the trauma that was passed down to them as children, and now they're raising their children and grandchildren, and they're working to pass on as little of their own trauma as possible. But it's hard. Because you know, like raising kids, like, man, kids have big emotions. We start because of COVID-19 on the phone. Actually, me and him ended up going to Fond du Lac Tribal College together. Oh. Kayla Gordon is a member of the Red Cliff Band of Lake Superior Chippewa. She lives just outside the White Earth Reservation in northern Minnesota. She's a mom and a full-time student with a full-time job. Kayla is telling me about her ex, Curtis. I mean, he came from a hard background, too. Neither of us had anyone but each other. Me and him figured out life together. Yeah. We didn't have anyone to ask, anyone to show us. Yeah, we did really well for not knowing what we are doing. <laughs> Got our two-year degree together, and we had our son while we were in school. Oh, wow. Their son's name is Adrian Rogers. Kayla is a Packers fan, and she likes Aaron Rodgers. And her ex, Curtis, is a Vikings fan who likes Adrian Peterson. So their son is a nice combination of the two, Adrian Rodgers. And then uh, his middle name, Michael, that's his one. That's the one who gave him his Indian name. Kayla and Curtis split up a few years ago. But Kayla said they've decided to work together as parents. We wanted to, you know, give him what we never had. We wanted to give him better life and... Like, when we split up, we never fought over him or had to go to court and stuff. You know, it's like, we figured it out. We're, we co-parent really well. Their son, Adrian, is now seven. Kayla adores him. The other night, I was putting my son to bed, and I gave him a kiss on the forehead when he's sleeping. He reminded me of my mom. After she was sober, a couple years before she passed away, I'd be pretending to sleep, and she'd come in and Give me a kiss on the forehead. I picture them in the dark at bedtime when everything is quiet. Is it hard for you to tell Adrian that you love him? Mm-mm. I always tell him all the time. And I always say, I'm so glad that you picked me to be your mom. Oh. He always says, Mom, you're so beautiful. Oh, that is nice. He just randomly says that. He's so sweet. These are the easier moments. But on the phone with me and Susan Bolio, Kayla says there are times when it isn't so easy. He's such a sweet boy and he's, you know, he's so smart and mm. I don't know if he has like some anger stuff going on. Sometimes he'll just get so angry like he cries. And Adrian's anger makes Kayla anxious. There's times where I feel like I can't get a deep breath or something and I've asked my doctor, she's like, well, that's your anxiety. That's a trigger. And like, like when your son is having big feelings, getting angry or upset. Yeah. Oh, I want to blow up back at him. And you know, that's when I have to call his dad because he's just so calm. And then I just like, I'm still learning to be calm and patient. Yeah. I feel like every adult I know has this experience, including myself. That crying or angry child is annoying and frustrating. And sometimes that's because you're in the middle of 10 things and you've just hit your limit. But sometimes, particularly for parents with ACEs, you snap 
because you're triggered. So why is that crying or angry child so triggering? Susan Bolio pipes in here. She's a citizen of the Red Lake Nation, and she works with tribal communities on strategies to heal from historical trauma and ACEs, which stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. She's been on her own healing journey for a few years now. So, you know, Kayla, I had my first daughter when I was 19, and she was probably five or six the first time I took a parenting class, and it was Love and Logic, which there's nothing wrong with Love and Logic, but it's all about you know, sort of like setting these boundaries. And then do you want the red cup or the blue cup? And, you know, giving choices, which is all fine and great. And it's been a helpful tool. But like, love and logic in and of itself did nothing to help me understand how the things my the experiences and the emotions my kid was having was activating things within me. Mm -hmm. When Susan says she's activated, it's the same thing as being triggered. A certain situation activates the nervous system and cues the body into flight, fight, or freeze mode. I didn't know how to help her navigate big emotions because I was in no place to navigate them myself. Susan says she was in no place to navigate those emotions because no one had ever taught her how to deal with those emotions. When she was a kid and the adults around her were angry or upset, she got scared and no one comforted her. And when she got angry and upset, The adults around her told her to be quiet. So there was no place to learn how to really deal with anger or sadness or grief or fear. And what I found myself doing was shutting down emotionally when my kids were having big emotions because I didn't know how to deal with big emotions. Yeah. Kayla totally gets it. Yep, and then that's the cycle, probably where you learned from your parents. So you don't know how to help, and then you're going to do it to your kids, and then, yeah. Exactly. Because these patterns, they're they're at an unconscious level. When Susan says this behavior is at an unconscious level, it strikes me as a really deep idea. As a parent, when your child is angry, raging, or terribly sad, what do you do? Often, you do what was done to you. Even if you don't want to, you really don't know how to do it any differently. It makes me think of ruts worn into a dirt road. When you've driven your truck through those ruts so many times, no matter how much you want to go in a different direction, the truck tires just fall into those ruts. But if you really want to go in a different direction, you have to get out of the truck, get a shovel and some dirt, and fill in those ruts. That's the kind of healing work Susan and Kayla have been doing. And it started when they learned about ACEs, which again stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences or Childhood Trauma. You know, for me, finding out about ACEs gave me a lot of insight into I have some healing work to do if I don't want to pass these patterns on to my kids. Yeah. Like before you knew all that, you're just trying to do these different things and not actually working on yourself and your mind and Yeah. Yeah. Like a parenting book might be like, don't hit your kids, but it's like, it's a bigger issue than that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you really have to heal yourself. Healing work has taught Kayla and Susan that when their children are upset, they really need attention and patience and love. And we talk about in the ACEs presentation, how, you know, the thinking part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed till mid twenties. And so 
you know, as adults, it's our job to help them figure out how to navigate those big emotions and to be able to sit with them and to be able to make good decisions. So how do you move from shutting a kid down to sitting patiently and helping them make good decisions? Susan says in her experience, it's different for different people. As I think about what has been really helpful for me are the meditation practices that help me become more aware of what am I thinking, what am I feeling, what's going on in my body, right? All of those things. Because without awareness, we can't change the things. If we're just like in this constant loop of, you know, just perpetuating the patterns, we we, we can't change them. If we're sort of asleep to we're not aware of what we're doing. So it requires a sort of becoming aware of or conscious of the thought patterns, the emotional patterns, what's going on for us so that we then in that moment can decide how do I want to respond. Susan says she listens to a lot of podcasts, she watches videos, and she reads a lot about trauma and healing and resiliency. Kayla does the same thing. She has seen a therapist to begin to open up about the struggles in her life, and she takes antidepressant medication. She also is studying psychology in college to understand more about how the brain works and how to heal from early trauma so she is less and less triggered. I'm still learning to be calm and patient too. How have you picked up tools for that? You said therapy. Are there other sources in your life that are really helpful? Reading. I read a lot of self-help books. Mm -hmm. Or like, I just read that The Deepest Well. Oh, Brooke Harris. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, I love that book. Yeah. Susan says after six years of reading, meditating, and working, she's noticing a real difference in the way she's handling her kids' big feelings. I was prepping for this huge presentation that I had, and I was working really late uh, most nights in the garage, and my 10-year-old comes out, and I could tell right away something was wrong. And I was like, Sophia, what's wrong? And she just starts crying. And She told me that, so her and her older sister, um, they've been playing this like Sims game and they had spent lots of time like building these houses and, you know, doing these little things so they could earn extra whatever, but she had lost it all. And she had been playing for like six months and so had lost like all of it. And she was really upset. And, you know, the first thing you want to do as a mom is fix it. Yeah. And I realized, like, I can't fix it. So we just sort of, we sat in the garage and I was holding her. And initially my mind was racing, like, what else can you do? What else can you do? And then it just, it was like, remember, just be here with her. Just let her feel this. It's okay for her to feel this. And so I did. I just held her and we just, you know, I just, I didn't think about anything else. I just allowed myself to be with her. And after a little while, she seemed like she was feeling a little bit better. And I don't even remember what we what she said after that. But she, as she walked out of the garage back to the house, I could tell like her energy was very different. She was more calm, even though the Sims game was still gone, you know, all that sort of stuff. Compared to years ago when she just couldn't stand to be present for this kind of upset, now she can. It just was such a stark contrast to me. Because of all of the work that I've been doing over the last, you know, four and a half, five years to really be able to deal with my own stuff as it's coming up, as opposed to trying to avoid it. That has been incredibly helpful. 
Kayla has also learned strategies to handle her triggers. So now she has the ability to help Adrian talk about his feelings. Adrian will say, I don't want to talk right now. And he's really mad. And he said, okay, well, let's talk when you're calm. And so he'll, he'll calm down. He'll come and say, okay, mom, I'm ready to talk. You know, especially with boys and men, right? Where a lot of times it's like, don't tell anybody how you feel. Yeah. It's really amazing. She also says words aren't the only way to express feelings. Adrian works it out physically, too. He's really into karate and boxing right now. He does little kicks all day long. We got him some boxing gloves. That's awesome. We just got my daughter boxing gloves for Christmas. Did you? (laughs) Yeah, we thought she needed them because she wants to punch sometimes. (laughs) Yes. I bought him this blow-up thing where you punch it and it comes back. I bought him that for Christmas. Oh, he popped it already (laughs) from punching it so much. Might have to get him a professional one. So that's like part of encouraging him. Yeah. Kayla and Susan have both looked at their own painful memories when they were told to just be quiet. And they're learning how to do something different for their own children. That's what it is to fill in the ruts in the road. None of this is easy. None of it. So I wonder... How you keep going in those moments when you're tired and there's such a strong pull to keep driving in those ruts, doing what you've always done. Susan says she holds on to this one belief. What really keeps me going is the reminder that when we do this healing work in our bodies, in our generation, it not only heals moving forward, but it also helps to heal the ancestors. We are in such an incredibly powerful place right now. And we might think that this work is too much, it's too hard, I don't wanna do it. But what we need to remember is our spirits chose to come here at this place and time to be in this role. Our spirits chose to come here at this place in this time to be in this role. All right, talk to you guys later. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Kayla says she wouldn't have made it this far without good friends who know just how to help. So next time, we talk to one of Kayla's besties. Join us next time. This is A Mile in My Moccasins on Niji Radio, serving the White Earth Nation. I'm Melissa Townsend. Shi miigwech, and thank you to Kayla Gordon, Jeep Roberts, and Susan Bolio for sharing their stories. Kim Lage, KJ Henschel, Maggie Rosu, Leah Lem, and Aaron Warhol for editorial contributions, and Dan Luke for some of the music in our series. Programming is made possible through a grant to the White Earth Land Recovery Project from the Minneapolis Foundation Catalyst Initiative, and with support from Ampers, Diverse Radio for Minnesota's Communities. To hear more episodes in this series and to learn more about collective trauma, ACEs, or adverse childhood experiences, visit whiteearthhealing.org. That's whiteearthhealing.org. Take care.